0: everyone welcome to what really works a mental health podcast for young adults and youth in these podcasts you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in what really works is brought to you by discovery college an initiative ran by the canadian mental health association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do now let's get started with today's episode
1: Hello, what really works, listeners. We are live. Hi, Becky. Hello. Hey, Olivia. How's it going? Uh, It is going. I am so grumpy today, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I am so grumpy. And I think it's just because there's an incredible amount of hecticness and straight up destruction that's happening in our world, but especially in interior BC right now, all across British Columbia and that's essentially what we'll be getting into today after we go over a few things yeah so we are coming to
0: you today live um, from staples studio in kelowna and they were more than generous enough to give and donate this space the studio space which is where we're coming from today so we're socially distanced here but then we also have two amazing people helping us behind the scenes as well making sure that we get all of your questions um if you want to submit any of those in the comments they'll let us know if you have those questions and we'll do our absolute best to
1: answer those um while we're also talking about like welfare and mental health Absolutely. Before we get started, though, we are located uh, at Staples Studio, but as well as we are located on the traditional ancestral territory of the Okanagan Silks Nation. Um, I also want to address, you know, as we speak about wildfires today, I think it's really important for us to mention that wildfires and natural disasters of any kind disproportionately affect indigenous communities and minority communities. There's millions of people who live in areas that are quite remote and areas that are often experiencing incredible amounts of poverty and don't have access to resources such as vehicles um, and it can make it really difficult for folks to recover after after such traumatic events especially traumatic events such as natural disasters um, in those communities so just really thinking about that as we chat about wildfires today but really thinking about that in terms of reconciliation as well
0: Yeah, and also another really important thing for us to mention as well while we get fully started into this live podcast really that we're doing today is we are going to be talking about um, wildfires and how they impact our mental health and how we can support ourselves through that and support others and be part of the community when it comes to these really, really difficult and traumatic things happening. And, you know, if you are in the central Okanagan right now or living in interior BC, you'll be more than aware of how many people have been impacted by the wildfires right now. And we just want to acknowledge yes, we're going to be talking today, me and Olivia, about um, how it can impact our mental health and the really, real basic, going to basic things of what we can do to support ourselves with that, Um, opening up the conversation of, even talking about how it affects us emotionally and mentally um but we also do want to say you know we are kind of doing this live and it means there's just a limit to the type of support that we can provide so if you are wanting to seek more of that immediate mental health support do reach out to those um crisis lines as well Um, they're all 24 7 all free of charge um, and they're a really great resource if you're needing something really really immediate and you're feeling really overwhelmed or just need to speak one on one with someone.
1: Yeah. And we'll pop that information in the chat as well as before we get started, I would really love if we could do just a moment of silence for all of the communities that are being affected by wildfires right now, um, Vernon, Armstrong, West Kelowna, um, Cash Creek, just so many places. So a moment of silence for everyone in the interior and sending out such kindness and goodness to everyone. Okay, shall we make a start? Yeah. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Um, so today's topic, wildfire mental health. I think you already mentioned a little bit, Becky, that it's not something that we really talk about all that much, although it's becoming more and more of a t- hot topic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like,
0: I think it's one of those topics where if you previously or are currently being impacted by wildfires like quite directly, then I think people understand how much it can impact you emotionally and mentally. But I think when you're not being directly impacted about it, the conversations quite often are a lot more around those physical things, around just like, those, like understanding me, those physical needs of like needing a, safe, a space, safe space to be, and the physical impact as well on our bodies, as well with like the smoke and that kind of stuff. And there's always a lot of conversation about that. But even like when we were researching about best ways of supporting our mental health through the wildfire season, through um, kind of natural disasters, it was actually really, really hard to find a lot of information about how to support our well-being.
1: Yeah, it was hard to find like specific information. I would yeah. say specifically pertaining to wildfires. Um, and the very interesting thing to me is that like, we talk about wildfires all the time, especially in the interior. You see your friends and you're like, oh man, it's summer in Kelowna. We're gonna have tons of smoke. I wonder when the first fire will start. And we're very nonchalant yeah. about it. But I think, you know, as we continue to see the effects of climate change and we continue to see the devastation that wildfires and other natural disasters are having on our communities, it's become a lot more than just an inconvenience, right? I think. For most folks that haven't been directly impacted by a wildfire, it is kind of an inconvenience at at a lot of times. And one of those things that we do mention quite casually, but I think seeing the direct effects on so many people that we know and so many different communities in such a large way has kind of shifted that conversation from, oh, this sucks to, wow, this is a really large problem that yeah. many communities are struggling with and that we're going to have to continue to reckon with. So how can we support ourselves in the short term yeah. and then also in the long, in the term, long term when yeah. we continue to expect this to keep yeah. happening, right?
0: And I don't know about you, but this is the first summer where I've actually felt pretty anxious about the wildfires. Oh, 100%. Season.
1: Yeah, my climate anxiety is through the roof. Yeah,
0: normally, I mean, I've only been in canada for like three and a half years and i've had all of my summers in the central okanagan yeah and this is the first one where i've been like i actually need to spend a bit of time focusing on the things that i can control because i'm starting to as soon as i focus on those things i can't control i do start to panic and i'm like what if what if what if um it's the first year i've ever actually made a go bag to like help with that anxiety that i've been having um, and I know I'm not the only person where like this year in particular f- is feeling like extra anxiety
1: provoking, extra fearful. Absolutely. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit more about why considering the things that are actually in your control mm. is so important when we are dealing with natural disasters? Or with anything. Or with with yeah. anything, but especially <laughs> with this. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so as humans I mean does anybody like to not feel in control
1: yeah it doesn't really it doesn't feel
0: nice (laughs) to be out to feel out of control right Um, and the thing is is a lot of the things that provoke our fear and provoke our anxiety especially with big things like wildfire seasons is that there are a lot of things that are uncertain and there are a lot of things that are beyond our individual control as a human right Oh yeah
1: and things that we want to feel prepared for but we can't necessarily prepare ourselves for yeah
0: or just like control it we can't say yes or no to that situation exactly yeah um and when we focus on those things that are outside of our control it makes us feel even more out of control um and it leads to even more anxiety more anger. Ruminating. Ruminating feelings of like hopelessness. If Circulating our thinking. Yeah. yeah because it's just like, well, I can't do anything about these, but I'm focusing all on these things I feel like I can't do nothing about. And it can make us feel really trapped. Yeah. So what we can do instead is focus on what we can control. Mm-hmm. And a, as a real broad description of the things that we can control, one, they're all very specific to me as an individual so what i can control is only things pertaining to me so things like my behavior the choices that i'm choosing to make the actions that i'm choosing to go for mm-hmm. so an example for this like i said before is one thing that i can control is feeling prepared by actually creating a go bag yeah looking online seeing what the bc government guide uh, government says if you're going to have a go bag like these are the most important things to have um, and me actually doing that action helped me feel a little bit calmer because I was like, okay, I've done one thing that I can control, one action that helps me feel a little bit calmer because also I know myself when I'm in a fearful or panicked mode, I am a freezer.
1: I've seen it. I'm,
0: <laughs> I am 100% a freezer. I am a deer in the headlights is the best way of putting it. Which means if something happened, um, for example, if I was put on a, like an evacuation alert or an evacuation order and I've been very fortunate enough that's not happened, um, I know that my brain would not go into, OK, this is what you need, go get it. Yeah. My brain just goes deer in a headlight. So I know, okay, what I can control is having those things done for me already when I'm in a bit of a better place, when I'm at a calmer state. So it means that if something does happen, I can just grab and go.
1: Well, and you'll be better able to support yourself in that immediate mm-hmm. moment, yeah. which will make that immediate moment, no matter how hard it is, a little bit easier for you as you're moving through it right yeah that's a great suggestion um another thing that we can do and we've talked about this before is an action plan now this works for some folks for other folks it doesn't necessarily always work
0: with all mental health strategies is some things are really supportive for some people other people it's not like a cup of tea which is totally fine
1: absolutely um so with an action plan Action plans are great because they allow us to think about how we want to react in a potential situation that we're anxious about. So, using an example of a wildfire. Mm-hmm. We're anxious if we'll be impacted by evacuations or impacted by a potential new wildfire that starts. Um, So we're gonna create an action plan. That's our situation. The very first thing that we do is we acknowledge that situation. We acknowledge the fact I am anxious about the possibility of a wildfire close to me and the possibility of having to evacuate. Okay, that's our situation. The next thing that we're going to do is think about strategies that we've used in the past that have supported us in a situation that we have felt uncomfortable with, anxious about, that we thought we were going to struggle with. And brainstorm the things that we did. How did we support ourselves? Well, afterwards, maybe I phoned a friend. Um, After that stressful situation, maybe I took a nice bath and made myself a healthy meal. What are the things that supported me? We also can think about how we want to support ourselves with that then specific situation. So I'm going to support myself by creating a go bag by phone, having an emergency contact list, a list of people that I know I'm going to text immediately when I'm in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to create a list of all of the things that I know that I want to double check and try to pack for. Whatever it is that will make you feel more control in that situation that you think is going to be supportive for yourself, physically write that down so that you know what to expect. Yeah. What are the other components of an action plan?
0: Um, sometimes there's a supportive statement. Yeah. So I like to add that for myself as a reminder of compassion because quite often when I am really stressed or fearful or especially when I get in that freeze mode I am overly critical of myself so providing just like that statement of like you are okay like follow the steps kind of thing that will just give me that reminder to myself of like okay like breathe just go through your action plan
1: absolutely yeah so we have had a question from the audience How can we balance staying informed with media overload? Mm -hmm. Such a hard question. Well, such a hard situation for not just wildfires, but like pretty much anything in life nowadays. There's a total overload of information and often misinformation. Um, Let's talk about doom scrolling.
0: Yeah. So this is something that I guess falls within that control. This is something we can focus on doing to support our well-being, right, is thinking about the amount of media we are consuming. So doom scrolling um, is a relatively new term that's <laughs> being coined, but it's basically when you are just scrolling through all the different media outlets, social media, and just scrolling scrolling and scrolling and making it, we're, we're just feeling worse and yeah. worse and worse. And the more we're doing it, the longer we're doing it, we're actually just feeling just not feeling great right we're not kind of thinking about okay like actually I've been doing this for half an hour now before I was feeling okay now I'm actually feeling a bit miserable Mm -hmm. I should stop and do something else for myself I mean I am so bad for doom scrolling so bad for it I like it's definitely something that I do try and work on because I quite often won't notice I'm doom scrolling or overly consuming media yeah. until something happens so i was actually talking to you about this this morning mm-hmm. how um with the new fire that happened yesterday i started doom scrolling oh, i was just yeah. constantly refreshing oh, the news i was constantly on facebook seeing the new like photos people uploading seeing what the updates are yeah and i thought it w- i was just doing it as it almost just like just checking up on it i'm curious um I thought i was totally okay about it and it wasn't impacting me. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, like really hot and sweaty and dreaming about wildfires. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like me spending those three hours before I went to bed did not help me.
1: Yeah, it's impacted you more than you thought for technology in general mm-hmm. we have a few tips that we typically will offer folks one becky mentioned a little bit as she was explaining her situation and that's as simple as checking in with yourself mm-hmm. so thinking about how you can be very intentional with that process of noticing how you feel and ranking your emotions between one and ten. One, one i'm feeling you know pretty horrible and i might want to consider reaching out to some folks for support and ten you know i'm feeling i'm feeling pretty good and see, I don't know what that weird noise was, um, and seeing where you are on that scale before you use social media, or before you go on the news, and then afterwards, after you've consumed whatever media you intended to, ranking yourself again, and seeing how that changed, as well as setting limits, right? Most often, I think, especially with doom scrolling, it's that habitually going onto Facebook, or Instagram, or whatever, whatever news Mm -hmm. outlet it might be, and just continuing to be on there. Whereas if we set ourselves a limit of, okay, uh, five minutes, or we set ourselves a limit of, I specifically want to check to see where the evacuation zone is. And then after that, I'm going to remove myself from being online. Those are some really great ways. Um,
0: I think also just thinking of the purpose. Yeah. Right? Like, why am I reaching for my phone right now to, again, look at the news when I only looked at it five minutes ago? And I know I can't control yeah, the outcome of any of that. Kind of it. thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Or am, am I just going for it because, like, I'm going for my phone because I'm bored? Like, is there a different activity I can do for myself? Um, is it because I'm feeling really, really anxious about this? So I just constantly want to see what the updates are. Like, is there something I can do that supports me with that anxious feeling I'm having right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think it's one of those things that we all do, but we don't necessarily realize how much it's impacting us until, like you said, yeah. later on, and we have a crazy, scary dream. And we're like, oh, my goodness, yeah, it's real.
0: So one big thing that has been coming up as well when we've been talking about wildfires and wildfire mental health, and actually when I think about it, even on what really works, we don't tend to touch upon it that much because or even in the in our discovery college workshops, we quite often don't necessarily talk about supporting kids through these hard times.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's because neither of us have <laughs> children. Well, yeah, we don't have that but, experience. Right? Yeah, um, but as far as mental health professionals go, um, maybe not so much where lived and living experiences. But when it comes to supporting kids, we have heard. Lots of things, not just from the people around us, but then our own research that mm-hmm. hopefully will will support everyone out there that, that is needing to support their kids.
0: Yeah. So there's, I guess, maybe not top tips, always as a, you know, as a caregiver, decide what is going to work for you. Yeah. Um, but I think a big part of it is kind of being clear about what the situation is, but not oversharing information. Yeah. Um, so kind of being like, okay, like this is what's happening, but not going into like the nitty gritty where they don't need to know that level of de- detail. Kind yeah, of thing. so
1: for example, being honest with children about the situation and about the situation of there being wildfires and, you know, people perhaps needing to pack up their things and explaining how we'll do that, but not going into, for example, how many properties have been impacted, yeah. right? So not too s- scary, not too much detail, but definitely being honest about the situation.
0: Yeah, I think another really Important thing as well is as a caregiver, like providing an opportunity for a child to talk about it. Yeah, and whether that's providing the opportunity, maybe they are in a space where they are comfortable to talk about it or able to talk about something, but also exploring different ways of doing that if you, you know. something can be really, really scary for a kid and that might mean they don't wanna talk about it, but they might wanna play out what's going on for them or draw things as well. So kind of exploring different avenues as well can be a really, really supportive way of just like even understanding where your child's at and having patience
1: as well I a big one. (laughs) That's a big one, yeah. I'll never forget a story that someone that I was working with told me about how their child was really struggling with feelings of fear um, last year and developed this um, kind of habit of Wanting to hide underneath the kitchen table and like wanting to put a sheet over the kitchen table And you know, we were we were kind of chatting about things and this individual was saying I don't know why Why my child wanting to do this like I don't know what's going on and then eventually with that conversation piece realized Oh, it's fear and this is how my child is trying to support themselves you know being creating a more safe environment that they feel comfortable in. Um, so I think it is a lot about just trying to have those conversations, but that can be a really tough thing to do when you have a kid that's uh, that's struggling, yeah. right? And you're already stressed. And you're already you're stressed. You're already feeling yeah. fearful, you're already feeling yeah, anxious, absolutely. And juggling,
0: 4,000 different things, and then you have a child that's also incredibly confused and scared, then that's like a, you know another plate to spin as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so also within that as well, being kind to yourself.
1: Yeah, and taking small breaks when you know that you need a small break. If you need to hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes, then, <laughs> then hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes. Um, and then I would also say, one of the ones that came to me is avoiding promises of you know like everything's gonna be okay don't worry we're not gonna have to leave you know we don't really know if that's gonna happen and that's not really in our control so we don't want to make promises to our kids that those things won't happen Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah maintaining some daily routines if we can i know that that's like a very hard thing to do especially when you're in a precarious situation um and then you know just anticipating some changes in behavior i think that can help us a lot as well as parents is knowing that yeah my kid might start to act out and it's not my fault it is a s- result of the situation and circumstances that we're all in right yeah not blaming ourselves That's a lot it's way too much <laughs> <laughs> so speaking about it being a lot one of the main reasons that wildfires are or any sort of natural disaster are particularly challenging is because there's an element of grief right Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, an, there's that element of fear. There's that element of lack of control. But there's also that element of grief for folks that might have lost their homes, for folks that might just be on evacuation um, alert. But um, it's just, definitely present. Yeah. And grief is one of the hardest things to work through. Yeah. Because it's not really, we don't really speak about it that much of how to support ourselves through grief, what different types of grief and loss there are um i
0: think it's because it's so individual yeah like things that i i I don't know about you but the things that i find easiest to talk about are the things where there's a commonality Mm -hmm. to them yeah where it's kind of like everyone's fully in the same boat with this and a lot of us are dealing with this maybe in a similar way or like you know i found a community who deal with this in a similar way to me right and grief can be so so individual and come out in us in really opposite ways you know if me and you were in the same situation the way that we respond with grief could be completely different i might be really numb you could be really angry like another person could just be incredibly sad like and then we all will fluctuate between between all of them and it just feels so so messy that it's so hard to describe so then it's so even then it's hard to even ask for help because yeah. it's like i don't even know what I'm, where i'm at i just feel not good
1: yeah there's three different types of grief that we typically talk about um or three types of loss and that's abstract loss concrete loss and ambiguous loss so concrete loss would in this situation be you know I, i've lost i've lost my home my home is no longer there it was burned down in the fires um that's a huge loss to to reckon with and Mm -hmm. begin to sort of process ambiguous loss is where something has been lost but the circumstances around that loss are um not as straightforward right so maybe we our pet ran away during the fires and we don't know where that pet has gone right so we know that there's been a loss but we don't necessarily know what happened to that and that's really hard to work through because there's that unknown element there's that feeling of closure that hasn't been able to been, to have been reached. And yeah. that's something that a lot of folks experience during wildfire season. And then there is abstract loss. So abstract loss is more so the loss of um, hope, for example, or maybe we've lost a sense of safety because there has been so many wildfires and so many natural disasters that now we feel very fearful all the time and we've lost that sense of security that we yeah. normally have. And i think that's something
0: that's actually huge yeah during the wildfire season Agreed. because for a lot of people home is safety
1: home is supposed to be safety yeah yeah right?
0: like for a lot of people home is their their place to go feel safe to feel secure mm-hmm. um to kind of remove ourselves from whatever it is that is like bothering us right um and then if you are placed on evacuation you not only in a potentially dangerous situation but then you take you have to leave what is your one place that might feel like your
1: only place of security and safety yeah and that's incredibly difficult that's incredibly difficult in the short term but then also in the long term with supporting ourselves with that yeah that loss of safety that loss of homeness that we tend to rely on and you know, I think we can be very, very hard on ourselves in times like this and think, well, I, I'm not on evacuation or I haven't lost my home and, you know, and my neighbor next to me lost their home, but I'm still really struggling. And that's OK. Any feelings or thoughts that you have are valid. And the way that you're coping with something is completely it's valid, right? Mm -hmm. Our feelings are always valid. Yeah. Um, And you know, even if you haven't experienced that concrete loss, that doesn't mean that there hasn't been other sorts of loss that you've experienced and that you might really need support with.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think as well, one thing that really is not spoken quite about as much as you know we've mentioned quite a fair bit around about that kind of like direct impact of the wildfire season so people who have been placed on evacuation order right or people who are on alert um people who have lost homes right that's a very very direct impact on them but then there is also something that's less kind of spoken about is that indirect right yeah you know last night me being able to see across the lake um, like a fire, right? I'm not being directly impacted that I know actually at the, that moment in time I'm in a safe space, but that doesn't necessarily mean I feel safe and okay yeah, about 100%. that situation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also, th- you know, what can be really hard with media and news, right? Is, you know, that can have a really big impact on our mental health, seeing images of the wildfires, you know, close to homes and things like that. That can have a huge impact on our mental health.
1: Yeah. So we have received a question from the audience asking, how do we support ourselves with that grief? So we've talked a lot about, yes, grief is tough, but how do we actually support ourselves with that? And we have a few suggestions. So one of the first things that you can do is, we call it restructuring identity, which sounds really intense, but it <laughs> but it's less intense uh, than the name. And it's essentially around creating new meaning for ourselves, right? Um, and for our identity, trying to discover new things that um, bring us passion, that give us hope, that make us feel like an independent being. So during this time, you know, maybe that's um, really taking solace within our family. Maybe Maybe that's um, trying to learn more about the situation, learning more about how it is that wildfires are caused, how we can continue to try to support our wildfire firefighters, like new meaning restructuring our identity. The second thing that we like to talk about is called tempering mastery which is another very interesting, uh, title, but essentially that's just around creating practices and routines, um, that are going to support us with the new things to come. So whether that is maintaining a little bit of a routine while we are, um, up, upheaved from our current situation, or if that is, um, creating new routines because we've lost our, our normal way of life. Yeah. Um, finding meaning, so trying to create new meaning and find new meaning with um, within our lives, like new hopes, new joys. It's one of the very, I would say, you know, saying find new hope, find new meaning sounds very cliche to me, but it's actually incredibly important. So finding things that you value and things that help you to feel like a whole human being. Um, revitalizing attachment, so grieving, but at the same time wanting to, you know keep that memory alive so um, however we can try to you know seek new connections or seek new experiences um, celebrate whatever was lost and then also normalizing ambivalence so normalizing the fact that it takes people very amount of different times and uh, we all have very different emotional experiences when it comes to loss and recognizing that that's okay there is no five stages of grief we don't all go through them at the (laughs) at the perfect perfect time exactly like becky was saying it is all very individual so
0: yeah and i think one thing as well with like all of these things is that going back to basics yeah as well right there's really core things of okay like you mentioned like do we have a bit of a routine that we normally have like is there anything that we can kind of take from that normal routine and try and place it into this like or even we always kind of say like a really great way of kind of especially when we're experiencing so much is just asking ourselves what's the next right thing for me to do like that next right thing might be having a glass of water it might be just having a really big stretch or a huge cry uh, having a huge cry yeah it might be texting a friend um, you know just saying like okay like zoom in loads like maybe try and just take myself away from this really really big picture and all these spinning plates zoom into this like really really present moment and just say like what does the next five minutes look like for me
1: yeah what does the next 10 seconds look like yeah even, right Yeah. I think we tend, especially when we're feeling anxious to zoom out and we have a lot of all or nothing, all or nothing thinking, doomsday thinking. And when we zoom in and when we focus on the immediate moment and we practice mindfulness and we practice being present and think about what we can do for ourselves within the most immediate moment, Mm -hmm. then we tend to, or we hopefully feel a little bit more concrete and secure in the way that we are yeah. in the present moment, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: We have a really interesting question that has been submitted, so thank you, around compound stress and anxiety. Oh so my basically, goodness. <laughs> the past <laughs> two years basically have just been, I think, for everyone off the charts.
1: Absolutely. And compound loss too. Yes. Yeah. And
0: I think, you know, and what we mean by that compound, like what we mean by compound is just like big heavy stressful things just like one, one after the other, the other. After the the other. other right <laughs> and i don't know if any like we did a episode on it one time right and you know we were mainly talking about burnout but the reason why we chose to do it was because we're like where's burnout from life <laughs> right now yeah having like been out from constantly having to think about <laughs> looking after myself right normally i didn't you know two years ago i didn't have to think quite so much about like okay like what is it that is going to help me today kind of thing
1: yeah i it's tiring that's an un- yeah absolutely well yeah it's yeah the statement is tiring
0: <laughs> and in, in like the reality is that it sucks yeah like the like i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's like
1: i think we're all still trying to figure out how how we do support ourselves yeah. with compounding stress, compounding anxiety, compounding grief. Um, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is what we were just speaking about of trying to zoom in to the immediate moments and think about what we can do to support ourselves right now, right? Yeah. Stress builds not only because of the events that we go through that are stressful, but stress builds because we have so many spinning plates, yeah. right? We have a lot going on to where we're not able to take that breather and put those plates away and then be able to pick them up again later. Um, So we need to be able to try to find those relaxing, restful moments, um, support ourselves through techniques like mindfulness and everything that we've been talking about. But mostly what comes to my mind is just, you know, like you said, it it's horrible because we start to feel as though we're finally getting our feet underneath us, as though we're finally making some momentum. And then again, another thing happens. And I think we have to recognize that with compounding anxiety and stress, there's that, again, that element of loss because we lose our hope that things are going to get better and i think the most important way for us to support ourselves with this ever evolving situation is to think about how we can maintain that hope and to practice resilience yeah. and practice those resilience techniques
0: yeah and i you know i think a huge part of it is just like actually when we think about it like as a community we we're like we're still we're still plodding on yeah like like, I think a lot of people kind of almost need to like celebrate, give themselves a pat on the back and go, like, I am incredibly resilient. Like, yeah. I like these past 18 months have been a wild ride, to put it the, like, the least. Like, I've been getting through this in whatever way I have. And like, I'm strong because of that and reminding ourselves of that as well can sometimes help us have that little bit more energy that we maybe need for that day
1: Yeah. as well. One of the techniques that we talk about when we speak about resilience and how to support ourselves to become more resilient is actually taking pride in how we have been resilient in Mm -hmm. the past. I think it's human nature for us to take our accomplishments for granted, especially when it's an accomplishment within our mental wellness, and thinking about those tough situations that we've gone through in the past, how we've made it through the other side, what techniques we used to make it to the other Mm -hmm. side, um, and congratulating ourselves on that, number one, but then also thinking about how we can apply that same resilience to the situation that we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost like a resilience action plan, if you think about the action plans that we were speaking about earlier.
0: Yeah, and it's important to say, and we stress this every time we do the Understanding Resilience workshop at Discovery College, is resilience does not mean that you're not going to find things
1: hard. Oh, absolutely not. It does not
0: mean <laughs> you're not going to experience stress or anxiety or just life feeling particularly rubbish, right? It instead is around that ability to kind of process what's coming at us and getting thrown at us. And maybe that does mean sometimes we have to sit down. And it's about that like having the tools and that capacity to go, OK, that is what's happening right now. like. I'm going to try and support myself through it and do the best that I can right now. And that is resilient, right? That's where resilience is. Yeah.
1: The last thing that I'll add on that resilience piece is thinking about community and how, as we continue to go through all of this, it's, even more important and i think more important than it ever has been before to talk to your neighbor talk to your common fellow human being Mm -hmm. and seek that hope and seek that empathy and connection with each other on a small scale with our friends and our family but then also as a larger community coming together and trying to support ourselves
0: and community is so important for our mental health yeah on so many different ways, whether that is having like more supports to go to and talk through, but then also that community resilience, right? It means that people come together and band together to um, be able to support one another. And knowing that that's there, knowing that people have got your back, knowing that you've got someone to call on is also incredibly supportive for our emotional health and our mental health. And giving back in that community can also be a huge support for our mental health too
1: yeah absolutely yeah all right so shall we get into a little bit of our long-term effects that we can experience from wildfires and other natural disasters Mm -hmm. so we've mentioned a little bit that we can have long-term effects on our mental health but what does that look like and how do we support ourselves right
0: yeah and it can look completely different (laughs) we love a sliding scale at I know when we're talking about things regarding mental health.
1: I feel like I need to get a tattoo of a sliding scale or <laughs> something like that.
0: I think maybe that should be the new slogan for it. <laughs> um, but basically what we're talking about is, we always describe mental health as something on a sliding scale where um, we kind of talk about it as having like good mental health on one end, like kind of feeling really good in ourselves versus kind of we have then a the lower kind of side of it where like maybe we need like to get some support yeah. or maybe we're facing some barriers on our towards our mental health and our well-being. And we naturally slide up and down that scale. Right. Um, and we might face barriers that make it harder to kind of move up that scale but that's what these supports are here for, right? They're here to like kind of chisel away at those barriers and kind of hopefully help us move up on that spectrum, right? Um, But what's really important is when we're kind of talking about the long-term effects of wildfires on our mental health is that they can have, you know, experiencing different things related to wildfires can have a pretty big impact on our mental health in the sense that it might actually start to create some barriers on that scale for us. So sometimes it might feel like, there's something really big in the way blocking us from like moving up towards that, like feeling really good in our mental health and emotionally, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And we kind of always describe about, you know, like when we're talking about the impact, we mean kind of like is anything getting in the way of us being able to lead our lives the way that we would like to? Like anything that's getting in the way in us personally. So the way that I feel about certain situations is that getting in the way of how I wanna do a certain activity. That's kind of what we mean when we say like having an impact on our mental health and our wellbeing. In the long term. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of you can kind of even start to guess ways that wildfires can have that impact, right? Even one just talking about when you've been directly impacted by, by wildfires, you know, loss of homes and things like that, losing that feeling of safety and security can have a pretty long lasting impact. It takes a long time to build that sense of safety, build that sense of security. Um, so you know, it's gonna be tiring. It takes a lot to try and rebuild that, right? And that grief as well can also have an incredibly long lasting impact on our mental health as well as the anxiety that can come from experiencing or viewing a bad wildfire season, right? Is the anxiety that it can, you know, then when the next summer comes along, we can read those feelings can resurface that we were kind of experienced almost kind of like, right now, I might be in a state of fear because of the wildfire season. Um, But then kind of maybe once the season peters out and we move into winter, that fear might actually then Turn into anxiety. Yeah. And then I start to feel anxiety about the what ifs and kind of the unknowns in the leading
1: up to it, mm-hmm. right? And that can have a really big impact on our mental health. And it's very normal to have that happen. Yeah. I think that's another thing that we don't talk about too much is just the fact that it is very normal to feel incredibly stressed, incredibly anxious, incredibly fearful about the effect of natural disasters on our world, on us as individually, on our families, on our communities, and having to learn how to support ourselves without anxiety, especially if you've never experienced anxiety before, um, is important to support ourselves in the long term, especially when we know um, becky f- did a little bit of research that unfortunately the effects of natural disasters stay with us um
0: yeah if we don't do anything to kind of support ourselves. exactly it, yeah.
1: exactly yeah it can be um, can last for a long time and not uh, i don't know how to say that
0: well basically you know it is what we're trying to stress is it is incredibly important to not just think about the physical things that might be impacting us when it comes to wildfires, it's incredibly important to think about how we're feeling and how we're feeling mentally, right? Because if we don't do things that support us, and we'll kind of talk about a couple of additional supports, right, that we can do to support ourselves, is that it might not just naturally go away that feeling of fear, it might not naturally go away that feeling of anxiety related to wildfire seasons or natural disasters, whatever it is, right? And that's why it's always just important to think about okay like how am i doing like am i feeling really fearful about this do Mm it is this having a huge huge impact on me like what what do i need to do to be able to support myself through that yeah and be okay
1: and it can you know it's a it's a trauma response so Mm -hmm. ultimately the way that we would want to support ourselves with that trauma in the long run is everything that we talk about when it comes to supporting ourselves with trauma so that is seeking out um, a trauma counselor right Mm -hmm. Um, it is recognizing that it doesn't go away immediately and that trauma lasts with us for a long for often our entire lives and we can learn how to support ourselves we can learn how to cope with it and how to make that situation better for us but that doesn't but it'll stay with us, right?
0: Yeah, just because the disaster is gone.
1: Doesn't mean that the feeling's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Becky has this really great analogy, and if you have spent any time listening to (laughs) what really works, then this is maybe the 10th million time that you've heard me (laughs) say this analogy, but it's so great. And it's essentially, you know, um, we use this analogy for grief and also for trauma, Um, but you know when you have a rock in your shoe and you're like, dang, I really wish this rock would come out of my shoe. Um, but maybe we don't have time to stop and take it out or whatever. That rock in your shoe is grief or trauma. Um, And, you know, as we're walking, we can kind of maneuver that rock into different places, like between our toes where we won't feel it as much, but it's still there. Or occasionally it'll wiggle its way into right underneath the arch and it's painful as heck. And the important thing is just knowing how we feel and whether it's between the toes or if it's really impacting us and then knowing what we can do to support ourselves and that is going to depend on on who you are but hopefully some of the techniques that we've shared today and then also the other techniques that we've shared within Discovery College our webinars and also our previous podcast episodes can help you hone in a little bit on what it is that you might be struggling with and those more specific techniques that you can utilize.
0: Yeah, because, you know, with that rock in the shoe analogy, right? Those like supports and those techniques are the things that help is move it to a place that it doesn't hurt when we stand on the rock, right? Yeah. It like moves it to the side of the shoe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've received a great question just around how can we speak around about impact in a trauma informed way. So trauma informed mm-hmm. is essentially just being mindful that folks have gone through very tough things in their life or continue to go through tough things that impact them on a daily basis and impact them in a way like Becky was explaining of having very concrete and significant barriers that are in the way of folks being able to live their daily life as as normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and trauma does have long lasting effects on both our physical and mental wellness. Yeah. And trauma is disproportionately affected uh, Trauma is disproportionately um, experienced by various communities, including indigenous communities and minority communities. Um, and the best way that we can be trauma-informed, or at least in my definition, is first, being aware of what trauma is, and then second, just being as non-judgmental as possible and recognizing that everyone is experiencing things that we don't know about and struggling with things that we don't know about. and. Um, trying to approach every situation with as much love and care and compassion and non-judgment as possible is to me the best way of being trauma-informed. Yeah,
0: And a huge thing for me as well is if we're supporting someone who's saying they're having a hard time with something, right? A way of like talking to them and supporting them. There's like kind of two parts of that trauma-informed is one is that collaboration piece, so how you know if we're supporting someone making sure that we're just not doing like being like okay well i think this is best for you so i'm doing it yeah right is that like what do you need but then also if we're asking questions it's about asking ourselves first why am i asking this question do i need to ask this question do i need to hear what this answer is is it actually going to help me support you or am I just asking because I'm curious and I just want to know mm-hmm. kind of like making sure when we're asking things, we're doing it in a non-judgmental way. Um, but also kind of, and being empathetic, right. Of like having responses that are very much like, that sounds really hard. Yeah. That must be really hard to go through. Right. Versus, well, at least this didn't happen.
1: Yeah. At least is like a phrase you want to avoid at all times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, Another part is just being aware that I think when we think of trauma, we most typically think of the most awful situation that anyone can possibly endure, but people experience trauma from anything. Mm-hmm. It can absolutely anything. And it's it's unique to that person. Um, it's not up to us to decide if a particular event has caused trauma for someone. It is up to that person and the way that they are experiencing those emotions and what is up to us is how we react to that situation and how we are able to support that person. Yeah. Um, we do have a question of what do you recommend for folks who cannot access trauma-informed counselors?
0: Well, that's a good question.
1: I The first thing that I always like to say is peer support. Um, peer support groups are groups of individuals who typically have a common experience, and with a common experience often comes a common understanding of how hard that situation must have been, and what it is that you're going through, which tends to be, which hopefully will then to will then be trauma informed, um, and peer supporters are very well trained in um, being trauma informed, so it is a very great environment to begin to open up to that. Um, in one of our other episodes, we've talked about how we can approach conversations with counselors and therapists um, about being trauma-informed or culturally competent and culturally informed as well. Um, being very open and direct with that conversation and stating what it is that you need and asking those tough questions of, um, you know, how how do you practice being trauma-informed in, oh. your, in your career? Yeah. Um, what are you doing to continue to advocate for reconciliation among our our populations yeah Yeah. so asking those tough questions if we're able to
0: or even just like what are you willing to do to make this a safe space for me yeah
1: yeah yeah how is this going to be a safe space for me exactly
0: Mm -hmm. so we do have about 10 minutes left of this live so do get those questions in um if you have any uh we yeah we will try and answer as many as possible um but yeah keep them rolling in so thank you
1: Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs>
0: uh, One thing that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, um, and I think someone might have mentioned this in the comments as well, was around journaling.
1: Journaling.
0: <laughs> journaling. Like I feel like so many people roll their eyes when a mental health professional goes,
1: "Have you tried journaling?" I do, <laughs> even though I recommend <laughs> it all the time.
0: As soon as it's recommended to me, I'm like, ah. Oh. But I. It's one of those things where, if we're, you know, people suggest it a lot because- It's like, super helpful. Yeah, for some people <laughs> it can be incredibly helpful. Yeah. And I know, like, people's first thought when they think of journaling is writing down in a little book how they're feeling that day uh-huh. what's going on for them. It doesn't always have to be like that. That's kind of like what people stereotype. Um, I sometimes draw if I'm, if I'm like, I want to get out what I've done that day, sometimes I so I am really like painting sunsets because they're just like so easy because I'm just like loads of orange, big half sun, and then this is some water, right? Uh-huh. And depending on how I'm feeling that day, the colors will be so different. If, I'd, if I've had like a, a really hard tiring day, the colors will be like really muted. And that like reflects to me like, okay, like you, you're you tired, like this has been a rough day for you, but it also helps kind of get it out of me, right? Yeah. Whereas if I've had a good day, like the colours will be really bright and stand out, right? So you don't have to journal, you can journal by recording yourself on your phone. There's so many different ways that we can kind of express what we're feeling and what's going on far us. And the thing with journaling as well, it can be really helpful to reflect as well right if we journey, if we happen to be journaling throughout this wildfire season um you've mentioned before you know about resilience is reflecting on what worked for us mm-hmm. we can even look back and go oh look i did this this day and then i can see how actually that made me feel even more anxious So yeah. okay maybe i now know that i'll i'll try to avoid doing that this time if i can um and try 100%. something different as well
1: yeah that's yeah. a great suggestion i'm full of them I'm actually full of them always. Um, I'm seeing what else is there that we wanted to touch on?
0: I think a big thing is just finding a space to talk. If you want to talk Yeah. in a way that you want to talk, Mm -hmm. whether that's with a friend, whether that's using a phone line, whether that's using a trauma counselor, whether that's using peer support, whether that's journaling. When we tend to like pen stuff up, it makes it harder to deal with it because it goes from like maybe a small thing to it grows bigger and bigger and bigger, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that communication is especially important with our families and our support groups and our loved ones right now, especially if you are in an incredibly stressful situation of needing to evacuate um, and you are under that more direct pressure Being very intentional about communicating how it is that you're feeling and what it is that you need That can be a tough thing for us to do, especially as humans wanting to always be the best and have everything under control Um, But especially if you have a family where you're supporting kids and you feel as though you're supporting your entire family with this Really hectic time making sure that you take the time to communicate, you know I actually am really struggling with this particular thing and I would really appreciate it if this was done to help with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Relying on those folks around us using those when statements when this happens, I feel I need setting
0: them boundaries and setting those boundaries people keep on trying to talk to you about the wildfire season and you find it so stressful Say, okay I'd really like to change the conversation
1: or if people are even checking in on you right let's say that you are evacuated and everyone with the best intentions is coming to you and asking what's the situation how do you feel are you okay if you need to set that boundary and ask folks you know I'd actually rather not talk about it or can we not chat about wildfires right now because it's very stressful yeah. to me and not supporting me. And also that's what you need to do.
0: The other way, if you're trying to check in on a friend that you know is in an evacuation area, just say there's no pressure to respond to yeah, this. As there's well. no
1: pressure to respond, yeah. but I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We've got another question, which I find really interesting, is what about acupuncture? As which um whether recommended tool for stress and anxiety
1: i have never had that done before but i would love to try it
0: you know what my thing and this is something that we kind of always talk about is i'm never gonna tell someone not to do something no or to do something like if you have tried acupuncture and you find it is really stress relieving oh yeah go for it it's something i actually don't know much about i know that there is definitely research in there around um how it can impact
1: us with well, like mental health, yeah, like body mind connection. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But it's something
0: I'm not too knowledgeable about, so I don't want to like, I don't want to provide information that mm-hmm. wouldn't be accurate.
1: But if you know why it's great, let us know. Yeah, because <laughs> I would be super interested to. Yeah, I'd be super interested to know more about that.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's always just about seeing like, what do you, what do you find helpful? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So we have around five minutes left and we just received the question, how do I know when to get help?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's different for everyone, right?
1: I struggle knowing when to get help. I think it depends on who you are. So as someone that does identify as living with mental health challenges, knowing when I need to get help has been the biggest barrier for me, but also the, thing that has helped me the most. Um, Recognizing those signs and symptoms within myself Mm -hmm. that are that alert for me of, okay, here's how I know that I'm struggling. The way that you figure that out is just through time and through practice. It's taking one of these tools that we've shared with you today, starting to implement it into your life because you know that you do need some support, and then just slowly incorporating more things into your life that are going that you think are going to be supportive for yourself, and then kind of monitoring how that's working out for you. Yeah. So moder- moderating, what word am I trying to say? Um, Monitoring. Monitoring. Thank you. <laughs> monitoring. <laughs> monitoring um, your feelings from day to day. You know, ra- ranking it one out of ten. How am I feeling today? What tools did I use to dis- support myself? Yeah. Um, and taking a look at those classic signs and symptoms for, yeah, and for when we need to reach out.
0: And do you know what? And one,
1: it can look different for everyone.
0: Well, and the biggest thing for me is. Quite often we talk about like when when's this like light bulb moment that's gonna go for me about when I need to get help. Mm-hmm. Well quite often, you know, when things are really impacting our mental health, they'll actually grow for a start. Yeah. We'll actually kind of start to normalize those kind of experiences until yep. we really reflect back and go, like, oh wow, that has grown for me and that is getting bigger and bigger for me. But one thing that um, when we did the men's mental health episode, so I think it's like episode 13 of what really works, I would really recommend it. Travis was our guest on that, and it's something that stuck with me ever since. And he's like, he was talking about how things like counselling or like receiving help for mental health—you don't have to go when something needs. Like he was talking about how it's like a, a bike on an oh, en- yes, a. Oh yes, like a car an engine. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you don't have to get your motorbike serviced just when the engine blows up. Yeah. He's like. You have to put oil in it. Yeah, you have. You should be doing things to kind of like keep on top of it and just monitoring it. And that's the same with our mental health, right? We don't have to wait for this like big moment in front of us to go. Okay, this was the turning point for me. And for some people, that is how it happens. Or someone will be like, Hey, look, I've noticed a big change in you. Like, I'm really concerned about you. And sometimes that will be how we kind of take that first step.
1: But the other thing is, is we don't have to have something big going on for us to talk to someone we want to normalize having the routine maintenance i think is what yeah. we called it it's yeah. just routine maintenance of our mental wellness just like we go to the doctor and have our checkup we want to continue to yeah utilize those mental health resources even if we don't think that we're going through something really tough right now that warrants us seeing a counselor it's like counselors are happy to see to see anyone and just chat through things even if You don't know particularly what it is that you're struggling with or if you're not really struggling right now right exactly yeah
0: yeah all right so we're into our final minute so i guess we'll tidy some things up go for it well first of all is just kind of that i want to say an acknowledgement again of like there is a lot going on right now and like whatever you're feeling that's okay and it's valid like if you need to speak to someone or seek support do it go for it but like if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling scared, it's understandable. Like do not criticize yourself for any way that you're, you're feeling. And also we've talked about so many different types of supports in this, right? Also, as we always said, don't go away from listening to this and think, I need to start doing like these 40 different things right now. Like zoom in, just do that like, okay, what's the next right thing for me right now? Yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And then for any sort of follow-up, conversation you can visit our website at cmhacolona.org and then you can go to the info tab then resources and then link to the podcast um, as well as you can send us an email at discovery college
0: discovery.college
1: dot. <laughs> You, you tell CMHA. them what it is.
0: cmha.bc.ca <laughs> <laughs> or you can just go to the Discovery College Kelowna website for our online workshops. There's also linked to the What Really Works podcast on there, and then again, that cmha um website has other things as well that CMHA is offering as well, um, as well. So there's loads of different things on there as well yeah um and then also i just want to again give a huge huge shout out to um, the amazing matt at studio in staples and just to staples allowing us to be in this space today um and thank you everyone for joining us and listening to us
1: yeah and shout out to our listeners yeah thanks so much thanks so much guys and we'll chat with you soon yeah bye bye Staples Studio is a co-working space for those looking for a safe alternative to working from home. I know I feel so stuck at home these days, and going to Staples makes me feel like I actually have a change of pace. They offer not only a safe space to work with desks, offices, private phone booths, and meeting rooms, they are connected to the Staples Store, where they have everything you need under one roof. Studio is more than just a co-working space. Studio is a community to help you work, learn, and grow follow them on instagram at staples studio canada for more information on locations pricing and amenities please visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour
0: thanks again for listening to us we hope you enjoyed this podcast You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.